Hey everyone, and welcome to our first episode of the Sherpa Station. We are a community podcast focused on helping Destiny players get the most out of Destiny. My name is the Marf, and with me tonight, I have the Hard Tacos, Sujin, and Sparky. How are you guys doing tonight? Yo, man, I'm doing pretty well. Sujin, how about yourself? I'm feeling fantastic. How are you doing, Sparky? I'm freezing, but still alive. So I guess that's a good thing. How are you doing, Marf? I'm doing all right. I'm doing pretty good tonight, despite the cold. Hard Tacos, how about you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so uh, my name's the Hard Tacos. I'm a Sherpa over on the Destiny Sherpa subreddit. Uh, I started Sherping uh, when the Taken King got released, and uh, I've been playing since Dark Below. Uh, Sujin, how about yourself? Hey, my name's Sujin, and I'm a PvE Sherpa on the PS4 side of the community. I've been a day one player since the alpha with way too many hours sunk in this game. Uh, I started doing Sherpa runs whenever House of Wolves released, helping people get their raid and skullless kills for moments of triumphs, and just been going there from there ever since. How about you, Sparky? Uh, my name is Sparky. I am a Crucible Sherpa on the PlayStation 4. My specialties include Trials of Osiris and the Art of Fusion Rifling. Uh, I started playing Destiny in late 2014 and started Sherpa in Crucible in late 2015, and it's been a pretty awesome experience so far. How about you, Marf? Ah. Oh. Everything's good. Thanks for joining me tonight, guys. I really appreciate you coming out and helping with this. I'm Marf. I'm a Reddit community moderator for Destiny Sherpa, Crucible Sherpa, and Destiny the Game. I started off Sherping a while back with Fault of Glass, Crota Zen. I just kept going from there. Eventually, I started to focus on my Crucible game, began Sherping Crucible as well. I really just love teaching people new things and helping them accomplish what they thought was impossible. Is that all right? Did we do good? I think we did fantastic, dude. All right, guys, how about we get into a bit of a discussion here about what we define and think a Sherpa is, a little bit about what we do, what we think we do, what we actually do, some topics like that. I'll start with what I think we do. (laughs) What people think we do. (laughs) I'll start with what I think a Sherpa is. I'd say when it comes to Destiny, a Sherpa is someone who takes their time to help players experience game content in that safe and judgment-free environment. You know, we try to give people that very best experience that they can have, something they might not necessarily get with a pickup or an LFG group. We, we kind of want to control the environment and the variables and, and make sure that everybody's comfortable, every, everybody's working towards the same goal, no hostility or negativity, anything of that sort, all around just a good time. What do you guys think? Right, yeah, Sherpas are more like, uh, it's like, they're, they're there to teach you, so uh, people come to come on Sherpa runs to uh, to learn, to experience all the mechanics of, of the raid, or if it's on the PvP side, it's more or less to learn how to better their game, uh, and how to get more, like, uh, like, map awareness and stuff like that um but they they come there to learn and not be scrutinized by other people who are actually just trying to get through it like you would in an lfg group definitely and and i I feel like people come to us because we know what we're doing we've proved that more than enough times and they they're kind of scared to venture into some content that's you know they're they're not familiar with it's not you know a simple story mission where you know pew pew shoot the the one bad guy you know, there's actual goals and objectives, and you have to be able to communicate effectively as a team. And that that's PvE and PvP side. And th- those are the th- kind of things that we can teach them when they come to us as a Sherpa. 
Uh, I know personally as a Crucible Sherpa, people come to us uh, not to be yelled at. And they like to learn things, and it definitely lets them gain confidence in both themselves and the Sherpa when you're playing. And uh, they trust you to do the things that you need to do, and uh, you trust yourself to do the things that you need to do. And it definitely helps you gain confidence in both your playstyle and as a Sherpa, and it generates an all-around positive experience uh, for everyone involved. So I think, in conclusion, all of us kind of we hit on the same three topics. You need to have patience. You need to be clear and concise with your communication. And you have to be able to keep your cool. Those are those are some of the main things. There's other things that come into play, like confidence. You have to be confident in the information that you're teaching. These people are here with you. Your students are with you. They're trusting you to guide them through the content that you're working at. You need to be upbeat, positive. It can't be a negative environment. You really have to strive to keep things moving forward and making sure that everybody's having a good time. So let's get into a brief overview about the two communities that we have. We have the Destiny Sherpa subreddit, which is the home of our PvE Sherpas. And then we have the Crucible Sherpa subreddit, which is the home of our PvP Sherpas. Tacos and Sujin, what are some of the events we get into at Destiny Sherpa? Uh, one of the big events we do is uh, the ship jumping puzzle. We'll spend a lot of time uh, helping people through. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, we we take people through primarily end-game uh, content. Um, big one right now is uh, King's Fall. Um, I know, Sujin, you do a lot of older raids, um, or at least you used to. Um, yeah, definitely. I, I definitely still make time to take kids uh, through Glass, Crota, and even Skolas. As well as King's Fall. King's Fall being the primary one since it's new. There's still a couple of people that like go through the older ones that haven't experienced that maybe started with the Taken King. So Sparky, let's get into a couple of the things that we do over on Crucible Sherpa. I know for a fact that we do Crucible Sherpa in pretty much every Crucible playlist, but we do a lot of focus on... Uh, the Trials of Osiris and the Elimination playlist as a majority of our uh, playlists that we do Sherpas in. And we also do a little bit more focus on the 3v3s in general, Salvage, Skirmish, people looking to get involved in Sweats. Uh, they come to us looking for help. And uh, on the weekends, obviously, is the only time we're allowed to do Trials. And we get Trials uh, posts together to teach people the Trials tactics and the Trials strategies that they can use to help both themselves and their friends after our runs get to the lighthouse. Yeah, I'd agree. I think that the elimination playlist is the really popular style. Everybody hears about the lighthouse on Mercury and all of the fat loots that you don't get from the shiny chest, and they, they want to get there and see it for themselves. Yeah, I love seeing the 310 water stars that people get. <laughs> Nothing chest. beats a 310 water star. It's almost as good as hearing somebody be excited about Ascendant Shards. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like I'm sure the people, people over on the PvE side, you guys know how people get excited about uh, Ascendant Shards. I get really excited about that. Um, oh, what's the pistol? Help me out. The raid pistol. Uh, Valley's Bane? Yes, yes. Every time I get one, a 320, ooh, man, makes my day. Can't uh, forget about those 300 ghost shells. Oh, yeah. And all the ghost shells I'm not getting from the Valentine's Day event. Don't worry, you're going to get a guaranteed 320 at the end of the week, as long as you have played your seven matches. So let's get into how you actually find a Sherpa. We'll do a, a quick thing. 
So on our subs, this goes for both Destiny Sherpa and Crucible Sherpa. There's a couple different ways. You can type up an LFS or a looking for Sherpa post. You can put in some information such as your console, what time you're looking to play, what event or content you're looking for assistance clearing. You can make a post and then Sherpas will be able to comment on your post. Other students can get in there and say, hey, if you have some space, I'd like to join. It, it also helps form groups because typically Sherpas try to take as many people as they can through an event at one time. One of the other ways that you can find a Sherpa is by browsing for an LTS or a looking to Sherpa post. That is for someone like myself who likes to plan events better and say, you know, I have a couple hours free on Thursday night at 7 o'clock. Let me make a post and see who else can join. I can put something up. I can say, hey, looking to take people through King's Fall. And then people know exactly what time we're starting. You know, I can give a little bit of info about what they should try and bring. And they can sign up for the run. Other ways is at the top of each sub, there's a link to Sherpa cards and verified Sherpas. You can go through. Essentially what a Sherpa card is, is a profile page for our Sherpas. When somebody wants to become one at our sub, they create this Sherpa card. They put in their console, what activities they're interested in helping with, maybe their times that they're available, the best way to get in touch with them. But the best part is that it serves as a place for students to leave feedback about their experience with the Sherpa. So if you see a Sherpa with an LTS post, you can browse your Sherpa card because there will be a link in there from it. And you can see all of their feedback and hopefully what kind of awesome person that they are. So Tacos, how did you get into becoming a Sherpa? Uh, well, I started playing um, heavily uh, when the Taken King came out. And the first couple of weeks when the raid was released, um, my primary group of friends, we it took us a couple of weeks to get through it. Uh, but after they eventually beat it, they just stopped playing the game altogether. Um, so I started doing LFG and started getting more comfortable with the, the raid. And at a point, I just wanted to start teaching people how to do it. Um, so I found the sub. I, I made a, a Sherpa card. Did a couple runs. And to be honest, it felt uh, better than I expected. Um, to be honest, I, I was only really doing uh, the Sherpa thing to, to first off, teach people and have someone have an enjoyable experience with uh, the raid, but um, it turned out to be a lot more rewarding than I thought it would. How about you, Sujin? Uh, I started chirping pretty much around the time House of Wolves came out. I actually started chirping uh, with Skolas instead of an actual raid. Uh, and that was back when Bungie had announced that we'd get a special emblem for completing all the year one moments of triumphs. And ever since then, Helping people clear through Skolas, you know, they were so humble, uh, thanking me, you know, for the help. But I, I decided to seek that out elsewhere, and actually, my first legitimate Sherpa run was actually vaulted class, and I had no idea what, what I was doing, but decided to just keep going with it and keep helping people with raids. So Sparky, how did you get into becoming a Crucible Sherpa? Well, the Crucible Sherpa line is a little bit different than uh, the PvE line that Sujin and Hard Tacos have. Uh, I got involved with Crucible after uh, I had run through the raids all the time, and I wanted to do a little bit of something different, and I found Crucible to be a always-changing experience that I really enjoyed playing, and I wanted to spread that enjoyment to other people. And when I found that 
it was a lot more rewarding to teach people how to play Crucible and help them achieve their goals. I went and made my own Sherpa card and kind of got on the grind to help people out on the weekends with trials. And people bring me feedback all the time. And I don't realize at the time when I'm doing it, but when I give them the feedback, I realize that I'm doing something really good and helping them out in a really good way. And it's definitely a very rewarding experience for me. So I started getting into Sherping a while back. And I started with Vault of Glass and Crota's End was, uh, were my first couple things that I decided to Sherpa. From there, I found it really enjoyable, kind of like what you guys were saying. It was a lot of fun. The, uh, the gratefulness of the students was there. Everyone was so happy to finally get through content that they had maybe spent hours or even days trying to clear and from there, moved on to Skolas, which was uh, so difficult to Sherpa because try, trying to take two people through at the same time, maybe they hadn't been in there at the arena and the lack of checkpoints, it was it was so daunting of a task. You had to set aside so much time and it, it wasn't like a normal raid where you could just take that break and say, let's pick this up tomorrow. From there, I, I transitioned over to the Crucible side and continued to do the same things. I, I just like teaching people new things and hearing them be happy about Ascendant Shards. Hey, so have you guys uh, seen the new weekly update yet? Yes, and I'm actually really, really excited about it after having Radio Silent from Bungie just for so long. Yeah, it's been almost like four months um, since really anything has been released regarding I know, I'm content. I know I'm super excited about how they uh, said there's going to be new rewards and hopefully that means more weapons and more weapon variety especially in crucible right you yeah. mean you don't just want to see thorn and the matador running around i love my thorn and matador combo even though i don't have a matador <clears throat> but uh i find that the new rewards are definitely going to be a lot more better beneficial to uh the variety in crucible with with now we have four res shot snipers and in year one trials we had at least nine Red shot snipers. So if we can up that number for House of Wool or for Taken King, it's gonna be a lot uh, more healthy for the Crucible side of things. Yeah, and it'll also be interesting where they decide to go. If it's just gonna be like a, some small type event that they um, push out, like uh, something the size of um, House of Wolves, or um, or if it's gonna be something as big as the Taken King, which I I personally don't think it's gonna be that big. Um, I think it's it's going to be more on the size of uh, House of Wolves, if that. Um, but I think that's pushing it. Well, if we get more in-game that... content, that's a good thing. Right, yeah. At this point, I'll take anything. Well, what I'm curious about is that they said it's, we're getting a spring update, which is going to bring a light level increase. So I'm curious as to how much light level they're going to increase this by and what the end-game content is going to be like. Because... From the the wording of it, it seems like we're going to have a big update in spring, and it's going to be just that, an update. Not necessarily like paying for content, and then they have a larger expansion uh, coming later this year, and then a full Destiny sequel in 2017. Right, yeah. And, yeah, if you take a look at their wording, it does say significant light level, so I mean, you can kind of look at that both ways on, especially with how Bungie normally words their stuff um so you kind of kind of take it with a grain of salt but hopefully it's it's something something like 350 like level 350 or something something similar to that 
Didn't they say something about making uh, older content new, uh, get more relevant as well? Did they? I didn't see that in the update. Like they at least more content getting relevant. That that would be nice though. Uh, definitely some way to bring you know Vault of Class, Crota, Skullish, just all that content from year one, just even up just to year two, just to current light levels. Um, just to give it a little bit more of a challenge that it is now, or even just a new version of it, be it taken, you know, through the raids or, you know, just even anything, some kind of challenge mode for the old raids. I think that'd be great. I know I would personally love to get back into Sherping some of the old raids. I know there's quite a few people that like to run through it just for the experience, but uh, if we gave that little bit of loot incentive, some people that might have skipped it would get to go back and see how awesome Fault of Glass was. Yeah, and I hope if they do decide to go down that route that it's something that they don't just up the light level of the raid. I hope they add some like new mechanics to it. Um Something that's a little bit more challenging. Um, I mean, they I, they could take the easy route and just up the light levels of everything. But, I don't know. Yeah, I, I remember doing Vault of Glass with blue rare weapons, and it was actually difficult. Yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely a big thing that's happened now. Is You know, I've gone ahead and done a couple sharp runs back to Vault of Glass and Crota. And while the mechanics and the objectives are still there, that sense of difficulty has definitely decreased substantially just because we overpower so many things. So I've been able to take people who've never seen Volta class, never looked up videos on how to do it. You know, their first experience with destiny was taken King and they decided just to do Volta class just for the, the shits and giggles because they'd just never done it. And we were basically still able to steamroll through it once they had like an idea of the mechanics down. I remember before I found the subreddit uh, Destiny the Game when I was just playing the game with my buddies and we found we got to level 26 and we're like let's go raid and we're oh. raiding it. it's like I have no idea what the hell is going on <laughs> uh, what's a conflux <laughs> exactly this Templar thing I have no idea what it is why why am I doing immune damage why am I blinking green what is this giant pool of piss looking thing on the ground? Oh, I probably shouldn't step in that. My screen is black. I just Did I just get shot by Thorn? <laughs> I didn't even know what Thorn was at that time. <laughs> so I think this is a uh, a good moment to kind of move into almost last week's update. Uh, they mentioned quite a few things, but the one thing that stuck out um, was the fix to Oryx challenge mode, especially how it works challenge modes this week. Specifically, wanted to talk about that and see if anybody had experience with Oryx Challenge Mode this week and seeing has anybody experienced uh, glitching ogres at all? Has it been confirmed that it's been fixed? You mean they're not supposed to teleport? I I, I don't think so. I've been considering. I've been considering that a feature, man. It's like part of the challenge. Has anybody seen teleporting ogres this week, though? I haven't. I haven't either. I have not. Yeah, and I haven't heard it. I definitely haven't experienced anything as far as them teleporting. I don't think I've seen any posts on Destiny the Game about them still teleporting yeah. either. I'm sure we probably would have seen something up on the front page if right. it was still happening. The problem was with the bombs getting in the way of the Ogre's Path before. It definitely seems like it's fixed now. Definitely 
help ease the pain of trying to do orcs challenge mode just to have the game glitch out on you. Now you're actually fighting the mechanics instead of fighting the game. Exactly, exactly. I mean, it, it also, the fact that the ogres are teleporting actually came up with a, a pretty cool strategy for um, the orcs challenge mode in general. When the ogres were teleporting all over the place, a good strategy to kind of uh, prevent them from doing that was to uh, have a have a hunter use predator and and quiver. And at the start of every round, when Oryx would go choose a platform, what you would do is you'd have your your hunter fire the three tethers where the on the puddles where the ogres spawn. And when they pop up, you're able to just burst them down real quick before they had the chance to actually teleport. Now that the ogre glitch has been fixed. It's still a very good strategy for teams that don't have the damage output for uh, for most uh, ogres. So it might honestly be a good substitute if you don't have that second titan with the bubble. Exactly. Right. The blessing yeah. and weapons combo with touch of malice is you know pretty much the ideal way to do it. But that can certainly make up for a lack of TPS. While we're on the topic of actually Oryx challenge mode, I wanted to know, uh, Sujin, is there a specific way that you do um, the challenge mode compared to other people? Um, I know I, I typically have just one, uh, two titans in the middle. Um, or really, you need the one titan with, with blessings in the center um, using Touch of Malice to help burst down burst down the, uh, the ogres. And then any other body there doesn't, doesn't necessarily have to be a titan. But a weapons bubble is also good. I always have a permanent runner. Um, the same runner is going to be doing it every time. And then I do rotating platforms. So, for example, the person on platform one is always going to jump up with, with the runner. And everybody stays in the same sequence for every round of Oryx. Is that something similar that you, that you do? Now, the method that I use for Oryx is actually different than the general strategy that most people use. My clan, and even the way that I teach my students when I do Sherpa runs, is still the old normal method of doing orcs, where we had static platforms and then just one person in the center floating. Right. With static platforms, I felt it was a little easier when I brought people in to teach them the encounter, that they didn't have to to rotate. And, it, you know, people crossed paths, people went all different directions, and then everybody got lost as to where they were supposed to be. I feel like rotating platforms... Is a very good strategy it's a very viable strategy i feel like it's just something that once you understand the encounter then you realize okay oryx rotates around the room i need to go over here because i'm on platform number one so now whoever was back there moves to platform number two and so on and so on and you have the two titans in the center so when i run my oryx challenge modes i still tend to have one person in center which is always going to be that blessing titan uh, whether using Touch of Malice or a Sniper if you don't have that yet. And then Static Platforms, whoever has the Relic above their platform just joins that Titan in center and helps them get that down. Every once what? in a while, we'll have more than enough Titans to drop a Weapons Bubble just for the extra DPS, but I've never found it necessary, except when the game was glitching and we had Teleporting Ogres. Yeah, well, thank, thank God that's fixed. Uh, but I can definitely see the... Uh, the perks of having static static platforms. I know even with a lot of experienced players, sometimes they can even get confused and um, instead of going counterclockwise, people like the set is normally the person that's on second platform. They'll go to the wrong direction. They'll go to the other side of the map. They'll go clockwise instead of counterclockwise. Uh, I think both strategies are very viable. 
especially matching that with the the quiver predator which we already discussed um i think that's you can you can burst down the ogres extremely quickly if you're running with a group of friends and you're having trouble with ogres try this out it's it's very very useful you'd be able to find tons of videos on it online as well if you're not too sure what what we're talking about you shouldn't really have a problem with the ogres if you're matching predator and the the weapons and the the blessings bubble in the setter if you're getting a, a tether plus a weapons and a blessing bubble and using either a sniper a high impact sniper and t or touch malice you know either one of them you're going to be dropping those ogres uh faster than they can fully spawn right yeah touch touch malice you don't even really need any any high impact snipers will uh will do the job and then the the actual challenge for Oryx challenge mode, if most people don't know it, it's that whenever you kill those ogres, they they leave behind a bomb, and it's just like a Crotus raid, where you had you know the five people dropping Crota shield, and then the actual relic for Crota, the sword is what actually damages health. The same works with Oryx. Those bombs that the ogres leave behind when they detonate, those are the things that actually damage Oryx. And whenever you get a DPS check from Works, when you stagger him, you're simply dropping his shield, allowing those bombs to do damage. So there's 16 on the map, four in each section where those are respawn at, and then detonating all 16 at once, dropping his health from 100% to 1%, and then having that last final stagger. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the, the big challenge is that... um. If one knight gets through, or even two knights get through and, and destroy one of the one of the bombs it's he's going to destroy all of them so you'll end up having to do a round or even two more rounds just to stack up all the bombs again so a big thing is just calling out like if you're struggling with with knights a big thing is just to call out what platform you're on and say your knight needs help when i tend to run oryx challenge mode i always run plate three i do the sequence right so i'm always the third and i'm always the last one up on the platform and the reason why i do that is because i'm able to snipe my knight and doesn't matter what side I'm at, I'm able to jump up to a sister platform and take out the uh, the fourth knight. So if your team's uh, struggling taking out the, the fourth knight, I, I suggest trying this out. found pretty good success with it. Uh, you do have to watch out for the ship, but it's it's a very viable method to help t help you take out the fourth the fourth knight. Most definitely. Platform number three is always going to be a big role mm -hmm. if, they're, if they're able to get the fourth knight because, again, you'll have that... Either the fourth person, if you're running static platforms, will be in the center with the Titan, or if you're running double Titans in the center, then that fourth platform is always going to be empty, where someone's not, you know, someone's someone's not going to be there to take care of that knight. So the person number three can always take care of their knight and then get that fourth knight as he's spawning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the fourth knight's either going to spawn directly next to you, or you can hop up to a uh, a sister platform and it's going to be on the opposite side. It's always going to be front if you're facing out towards Saturn, the the back, the back right platform and the front left platform are the ones that you're going to have to jump up to the sister platforms to snipe across from. You know, another thing that I use as well is if you have more than enough hunters in your group, you can always drop a tether because the knights are going to cross over. So say you know the front left of the room where that ogre spawns, the knight's going to spawn over in the front right of the room. So he's going to cross over that path to make his way to that bomb where the ogre died at. And so what I, what I like to do is if I know, you know, that fourth knight isn't taken care of or people are just, not, they're not getting their knights, 
I can drop a tether right there in that path where they're going to cross over, and we can just team shot them as yep. they show up. Yeah, I do that a lot too. So, Marf, what do you think about the uh, Trials map for this week? Oh, Rusted Lands? I love me some Rusted Lands. It's awesome. Uh, I'm on the other side of that boat. I do not like Rusted Lands at all. How come? Uh, I find it is a very imbalanced map where, like, one-fourth of the map is the map, the part of the map that uh, is worth the most. Uh, The beach side that has literally a snipe zone right from the get-go. And it You're also about has the truck the, uh, side, then, right? Yeah, the truck side, the beach side. Uh, it also has the cat point on that side, which is like secluded on the that other side I'd of agree B. About. I would, I would agree that the cat point is maybe a little imbalanced. Maybe should be more where B is. Maybe up the hill a little bit from B, if that makes I, sense. I Towards thinking, the top of uh, Mid Street. Like maybe even in the tunnel, so at least yeah, both the middle teams tunnel. have a chance of getting to the cat point. But right now, it is totally like on the the advantage for the team that uh spawns beachside because they have to literally walk into it but the other team has to come through tunnels or over the top of some weird objects to get to the cap point and i know that's not a very uh popular strategy to wait out the uh, cap point on uh trials oh, I but i do that. see it uh, a very very much like i've seen it used quite a few times watching uh a lot of the streams of uh, people, they people on beachside will literally just wait out the cap zone and not even peek uh, sniper lanes until there's 10 seconds left and they just literally stand on the cap zone and tether or smash. Yeah, a couple and smoke and spike grenades. I ran into spikes. a team earlier tonight that it was two armamentarium strikers and a gunslinger running um, Amkara Spine. Was that the, the double trip mine? Or maybe spine, maybe yeah. he wasn't. Whatever it was. Maybe he just had one trip mine book. Holy crap, man! Five grenades was enough. <laughs> Jeez, you just get you just get stuck somewhere. You know, it came down to playing the point in that area a couple of times, and there's just no escaping five grenades being thrown at you, stuck off walls. Like, Especially I, I, on that area where it's literally three zones that right. are all perpendicular to each other, and they can just well, stick a grenade it. on the wall to cover the entire point. Dude, I shade stepped out of one and. I was like, okay, I'm good. And immediately into another one, I was like, how is this going to happen? Like, I can't, I literally cannot get out of this. Uh, I like the truck spawn. It, it's cool. Like you're saying, it is a little imbalanced, but there are some good spots on the other side. Obviously, the water tower is a complete death trap. Anyone that walks up there. No fly like, zone, as Lupo calls it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Anybody that goes up there against a competent team of someone with a sniper rifle, you're dead. You're not getting the revive, you're dead. Unless you happen to be on the very, very back edge where you could jump up with a quick res without exposing yourself and hope to God that you spawn on the ground behind it. Other than that, you're there the entire rest of the round. Enjoy your trip. Like that spawn, like you'd think it'd be greater because you get control of like three quarters of the map, but you don't have control of the most important part of the map, (laughs) which is where the cab zone is, which is where like the sniper lanes start. So you're pretty much stuck walking around an area, and if the other team's not going to peek, you're literally walking around an area where there's hard scope in like the two lanes that go to where you need to go. That's the main reason I don't like the map is because if you have if you're up against a team of competent snipers, they can shut down the lanes so hard that you're not going to be able to really get effective pushes and get to where you need to be by the end of the if they're waiting out the time by the end of the time. Uh, what strategies do you think you're uh, going to implement this week, and what have you found to be working? Well, I've found, I, 
I played one card earlier today so far. I happen to have the day off, so I got a little bit of time to play. But um, we found a lot of time spawning on beachside, seaside. And I found a lot of people going up to the mini room, or as some people call it, the closet special, which isn't the low one near the water tower, but it's the one up the stairs above that. And from Seaside, there's a couple of good lanes that you can have on that. You can have straight ahead in front of the truck. Or what I like to do is I like to jump up into Sea, and there's a little bit of a ledge that you can peek out on. And since so many people mm. are usually focused over the ramp, you can catch them by surprise to the point where you have time to line up your sniper shot, make sure you love it, blink a few times, make sure you're on the trigger finger, and they still haven't seen you because they're hard scoped on the ramp because everybody runs through the doorway. Yeah, everybody runs through the archways underneath there and it kind of uh, just pick you off as you come through. You got like <laughs> the triple hard scopes on there a lot uh, is what I saw the last time this map was around and I'm sure I'll see it again this time around. Yeah. Um, uh, I will say some of, the oppo- some of the best teams that we've played, no matter which spawn it was, they kind of went top field, middle street, up towards the, uh, the area between A and B all the way at the end by the tank and sniped down because with limitations on special we ended up down there at that low area special by the alcove and the ramp and you step out of the door and you're completely exposed whether someone's in a or in the a room or at the top of street they have a complete line of sight down at you and they know where you are you're in the room you don't know where they are yeah exactly they could be like seven different spots outside you literally have to come through one doorway I think my favorite strat, not even just for this map, but for a lot of the maps, have been uh, running different loadouts that people aren't going to be expecting a lot. Like, I don't know if you you haven't played with me in a little bit, but uh, I've been running Fusion Rifle Multi-Tool. Nice. For the past couple weeks, and uh, I find that, like, as long as you're keeping, like, you're coming around corners at a distance that not that's not shotgun range but like isn't like sniper range and you can kind of catch him in that weird so like mid, about maybe two the three feet range the mid the weird mid range where they can't close that distance fast enough you can actually charge a fusion rifle while sliding so you slide around corner kind of have it charged by the time you do and just send some bolts down you don't even have to kill people just get them weak for your team uh, team shot is mid, huge on this yeah that mid-range support game with the uh, fusion rifle i found is being uh super effective because people don't know how to play against it yeah it's just whoa that guy has a fusion rifle what is that i haven't seen one of those <laughs> since plan c was good exactly yeah people don't expect it so what uh, would they, you they say don't expect that thing to melt what's probably one of the biggest mistakes you see on this map uh playing the cap zone <laughs> <laughs> other than that playing the game oh my god but uh, uh, I like to. I see people that try to challenge after they've been bodied. Like I know some of us, especially on get, this map too. Right, they don't it, think that you can see them. Like they think it's <laughs> like Pantheon, where it's like a full ninety degree cut on a corner, but they right. can still see your feet after you've exactly. been shot. Exactly. Well, that's it. Like if you're in C yard and you see someone creeping over the top of ramp, you might not be able to see their head, but if they don't move when you hit them, you can double tap them in the leg. I know it's not yeah, going to exactly. look good for your sniper headshot percentage, but a kill is a kill. It still keeps them down, and they have to rally around that body. Yep, and so then you have uh... you have an orb in a good spot. I'd say orb control is pretty tough if you're playing a good uh, a good team, especially a team that's good at long range, because there are so many different angles like that. If you get someone dead on ramp, and the other team decides to completely abandon it, then that can be challenging, especially if they're good with that long range game. 
You guys mind if I jump in real quick? I wanted no. to know your opinions on the uh, the ammo change and how you think it's going to affect trials. I can tell you that I've seen a lot more icebreakers this week. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> if I get picked off by that wonderful sound of an icebreaker to start the round again, I am going to cry. That's my main issue is they, they presented the special ammo nerf and they're like, they're saying, oh, imagine this situation where you start the game and you turn the corner and get sniped. And you're like, oh darn, that's an issue. And uh, you come, you come to this trials map. Like now that trials is up again, you turn the corner and you get sniped because they have an <laughs> icebreaker. And then you're down. And then if they win the round and they have six ammo left in their icebreaker, then they switch to a thousand yard. They now have like twenty bullets in their thousand yard, which is you're in a worse position than we were before. Yep. I mean, I would agree. I've been doing uh, so. I played on Xbox today, and I do not have an icebreaker since I did not play in year one. So I had to use the sidearm method, where you start with your sidearm, try not to use it, and conserve your bullets. Pick up some special, and then on your first death, switch to my thousand yard. So far, it's been okay. There's been plenty of rounds where I've forgotten. There's been plenty of games where I've forgotten to switch to a sidearm before playing. And I hate that I have to think about that now. And it really comes down to who can find a way to get special ammo better. It takes away from it. Who can find the best exploit. (laughs) Right. It really takes away from it. I, I knew before... If you weren't lucky enough to have double sniper ammo or double shotgun ammo, you started with six rounds. Six if rounds, you... and you had the, the, the boots and the chest, you got 12, and you got six right. to pick up, which was always great. Exactly. Like, so it's... starting with 12 is usually plenty of ammo. You can get a crate or two, get six rounds from a crate, you're pretty good. Starting with six, depending on how good of a team you were playing, that could run low on the first round if you get into a, a sniper firefight. Oh, absolutely. You know, absolutely. I mean, we're we're all we all like to think we're we're the best sniper in the world, but we're gonna miss some shots, and you're gonna have to hit someone twice, or you're gonna have to pick off that res. That you know, so for you to pick off that res, you've now used one third of your ammo on the same guy. Exactly. I know I've been running the sidearm thing in doubles this week. But I don't like just sit on the ammo for the sidearm. I use the sidearm because it complements the multi-tool pretty well. So that's uh, a pretty good use of the sidearm. Yeah, it it has been fun. I found um, I found some times where kind of an oh shit moment, and I've switched to it, and it's it's so good in that moment. That's really what it is. I, I think it'd be great. You know, like I said, I've been playing on Xbox, so I don't have too much stuff. But the no land sidearm would be so much fun, in my opinion. Yeah, you don't have the res snipe, but that quick pull, if you have a sidearm with quick draw on it, is absolutely fantastic. It shreds in close quarters. So. Mm-hmm. Before, I was already running No Land Beyond sidearm, just because, you know, it when No fun. Land Beyond first came out, you know, everybody, it was a joke weapon to everyone, and then people got started getting decent with it, and they were like, oh, you know, man, you know, this is an actual sniper rifle and, and crucible. Right. If you if you learn to use it, and so I remember when it first came out, I'd get hit with it in a crucible and go, "Did he really just kill me with the no land beyond?" Like, did I just I, get no I, landed? <laughs> like, yeah, I I suck. Like, <laughs> he deserved that. Like, you know. And so I was like, you know, I want to be on that end of the thing. I want I want somebody going. Did he really just kill me with no land beyond? And so I was like, I'm gonna get better with this weapon. And so you know, if you take that, you know, just like you know what we're here for. You know, you take that into the crucible and you go practice with it. You'll get better with it. And uh, it's fun. Especially now, now more than ever with this special ammo nerf. Because I'm assuming they're eventually going to nerf 
this icebreaker thing somehow. Uh, I, w- I would think they'll find a way to fix the exploit. Yeah, I'm point. sure. I'm sure they're not going to break. Hopefully, they're not going to break icebreaker to the point the work to where it's unusable. Just they to might. fix the special ammo uh, exploit. I would but honestly think that they would just make it so when you switch from an icebreaker to something, you're not getting the ammo. Quick Possibly. fix, and it actually makes sense. Yeah, and maybe they can find a way to code it where it'll apply to invective and the sidearm. Like, some sort of hard code. When you switch a weapon, no matter what, your ammo is spent back to zero. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, yeah, now more than ever, no land is definitely going to see even more of a a surge in Crucible, along with, you know, the infamous Icebreaker now, uh, with everybody getting their special ammo fix. But, I mean, people really underestimate no land sidearm. And it can be it's a, a viable really, really combination. Fun, it's viable a fun and a viable combination for sure. We now have Tenebrae, good friend of mine, longtime Sherpa, fellow Mata Crucible Sherpa, and someone who's been playing doubles quite a bit this week. Tene, how are you? Doing good, pretty good. Thanks for having me. Ah, no, thanks for joining us on the show. So I know you've been playing Destiny quite a while. I think you've been a player since the beta. That is true. That is true. So what made you stick with Destiny and join our Sherpa community? Well, if I'm being honest, I don't really like Destiny as an entire package. <laughs> um, what I like and what I, what I have liked has been the competitive PvP game modes. To an extent, Iron Banner, but mostly Trials and with the recent edition Crimson Doubles. Basically the elimination game type as a whole. I started playing Destiny in beta. Uh, that's what all of my real-life friends got into. And plus it was from Bungie because it was Halo. I had to get it. And it just didn't didn't scratch any itches for me. I just kept playing it, kept playing it. But once Trials dropped, I finally decided, this is what I like. This is what I'm getting into. This is and what I'm meant for. This is what I'm meant for. And <laughs> I, I have uh, a purpose. And I sought out the uh, the first Sherpa committee for that, uh, for that that I saw, which happened to be Lighthouse Sherpas, when I've now made the transition over to Crucible Sherpa. Right. So I got to know. What's your best moment and your best feeling being a Sherpa? My best feeling as a Sherpa has to be, you know, all, all of us Crucible Sherpas, we, we make big plays all the time. But my biggest by far feeling that makes me feel really good is when one of my Sherpies makes one of those big, huge plays. Absolutely goes crazy, gets seven kills and wins a round. Because it has happened before and it's one of the greatest feelings ever because you just get so excited and so hype when it happens. So you were talking about how you really like the elimination game type, and now that we have a 2v2 elimination game type, I was wondering uh, how you enjoy the Crimson Doubles as a whole right now. I am loving Crimson Doubles. That is probably now my favorite game type, and not just because it's 2v2 elimination. It, it is the entire Crimson Doubles package. I love the buff as well. No, so since you love the buff, let's go right into that. So you get a massive recovery boost from that, along with the agility, the armor, the insane reload that feels that compared to only having hand cannon reload gloves and outlaw procking on Fatebringer. That is how quick my last word reloads with the buff. I take it you love that? It is the best. You know, I'm I'm one of those players, I play on sensitivity ten, and the more handling and gun control I can have, the better. You know, I really like to be a fast player, I'm pretty aggressive. So once that buff kicks in, I I push, I'm quick, I reload and I and I'm playing really, really aggressively. And it only amplifies my my gameplay because it has that because it has that that handling and the reload speed and everything like that. Just it just it's the best thing for me. 
Uh, I find with the buff, it's it's definitely a lot tougher to take down that last guy. Like if you're playing elimination or trials, taking down that last guy is just a regular guy. But when they have the buff, he is a strafing machine that can dodge a lot of things. And if you let him go out of your sights for literally a second, he has all his health back. And I was wondering how you thought, uh, how how you what are your strategies for uh, taking down the last guy in a doubles match? You know, I don't have too much of a problem taking out the last guy, but that's more along the lines of my weapon choice more so than it is um, than it is the fact that the buff is procking and I'm not noticing it. Because I, I play with sniper rifles mostly, and I play with hand cannons, and in doubles I run universal remote sometimes, which is by far one of my favorite weapons, and I'm glad I'm able to use it again. All of those weapons kill really quickly and have a very high time to kill, or low time to kill. So a sniper rifle, one shot, two shots. You know, the universal remote, one shot, two shots. Hand cannons, about three to four shots. Two shots if you have the last word uh, special damage proccing. Well, I guess not on the max armor, but it is it is very, very easy for me, I feel, with those high damage weapons, low time to kill, to press the, the final guy. So speaking of these high damage weapons, what do you think about the special ammo changes that Bungie's now made to 3v3 game modes and also carrying over to the 2v2 Crimson Doubles? In Crimson Doubles, I love it, and I'll get more into that in a second. But as far as Trials, I played a little bit of Trials with uh, with one of our other Sherpas this weekend, Jay will and I just noticed that it almost devolved, I would say. And maybe it's the map. I'm not a big fan of that map. But it seemed like everyone, instead of pushing, instead of playing the game, instead of actually having an active, participating in the fight kind of interaction, most of the time the first round is everyone with Midas, and it turns into a stapler fight. And you can't push, you can't capitalize on anything because you push up and you're just going to run into more Midas. And with three people on a team, three Midas will put you down incredibly quickly. Oh, the team and shot with Midas is unreal. It's so real. It's just, it's it's incredibly difficult to get that first round moving, in my opinion. So I feel No Land Beyond, since there's a year two version, that's going to be really, really good to use. And I think a lot of more people are going to be using it. But I also noticed a lot of sidearm play in Trials. And I... I like it, but the map, I feel, was too big for it, and I I was just not feeling it in Trials. As far as Crimson Doubles, where I really think that it shines, there's no level restriction. So you can use a lot of the weapons that we had in Year 1. We can use the Summoner Auto Rifle. You know? Right, you're, not, can as, use the you're not as limited on your selection. You can there. use you those have guns. Yeah, you can use those guns, and they're very effective at playing without special. You know, nowadays everyone's devolved into the, the hand cannon sniper rifle play and that was everyone's staple now we have to move away from that and i feel like crimson doubles did that the best way possible so what you're saying is we should all be using thorn and longbow no we should all be using universal remote and a yo9 longbow synthesis if you have one because the yo9 longbow synthesis is amazing i know that's probably all time your favorite sniper rifle i know you toted that thing around like a trophy in year one what's the role you had on it all right i do happen to have it open right here I have a Sight SYS SLS20 scope. I have a Short Gaze SLH10, and I have the Ambush scope. Then I have Rodeo, Perfect Balance, and I have Final Round. Now it's been a bit nerfed, but I can still do 500 damage a headshot. <laughs> Doing that, I can imagine combining that with a Tether or something. Because I know with uh, the 1,000 yard and someone being tethered a headshot does somewhere in the neighborhood of 660 or 680. I can only imagine what a final round would do on that. I, I think I've, I've had 700 
before. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty sizable amount of damage. Should almost just be a you win the round bullet. <laughs> yeah, but it pretty just like is. wiped the entire enemy team. It, it used to be definitely. It used to be because it would proc on like every other round. It seemed on this gun, and it being a laser was just incredible in year one. Now in year two, I'm finally able to use again, and I love it. Have you tried any other loadouts besides the uh, sniper loadouts with last word or doctrine or whatever it may be? Absolutely. My my staple for the first round is is absolutely a havoc pigeon. Um, every first round, I go in with a havoc pigeon. Sometimes I stick with it. You know, sometimes the havoc pigeon play is going to be more conducive to winning against teams than the longbow play, or that that is my sniper rifle of choice. So I guess sniper rifle play. But I mean, I'll use. I'll use No Land Beyond, I'll use Bad Juju, I'll use Universal Remote, Mata Multi-Tool, the Jade Rabbit, the Summoner, uh, and the Last Word. I, I switch between weapons very commonly during a game. I'll switch to maybe three, four different weapons during the game in, of doubles because I feel that they each have a place now, now that special's gone. You know, you use Universal Remote and uh, Havoc Pigeon at the first round because that's so strong. And you're also saving yourself at least one or two shots for the next round with a sniper rifle if you so choose to do that i know i was talking to one of my friends over at destiny the game and he happened to run into you playing doubles and i think his exact quote was he was killed by five different primaries in the same match by you yeah yeah i do i do very commonly switch weapons was that clarky I think that was Clarky. Yes, it was Clarky. Yeah, <laughs> I just remember seeing him in chat talking about how no matter how he turned the corner against you, it was always a different weapon, and he was expecting whatever you used in the last round. And I think he said um, when he did try to snipe you, he lost five out of five sniper battles. Actually, he actually won one sniper round. Did he? Um, he got one on yes. you. Really? Yeah, he got one on me. It was I'm surprised it's we not won a highlight. the first round. We won the first round. The second round, Brill, who I was playing with who's the head of Destiny Sherpa, he started going nuts, and he's like, oh my god, we're playing Clarky. I said, wait, the, the guy from DTG, and I got distracted, I lost a sniper fight. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, and we lost the round, but for the most part, it was, it was a pretty one-shot, one-kill sniper fight on my end. So I also, I know you said that you've been going to a Havoc Pigeon in the beginning, and, and sometimes. I found that uh, it's fun. I never realized how fun a sidearm could be i know we've used it in the past as a joke of a class running no land beyond and sidearm you know way back when and and it was always a good time but it wasn't until this week that i started to use the sidearm more and that was because i put it on for the first round to get the ammo with the intention of changing it i didn't always remember to switch weapons at the end of the first round so i had it again i had to just change my mentality and put myself in a different position where I could benefit from having that close-range weapon. Holy crap, man, does it really light people up when they're up close and personal? Yeah, it, it'll do 50 damage a shot if you get a headshot sometimes. It, it'll it it'll absolutely tear someone to shreds. And, you know, you say that uh, we used to use it as a joke weapon, as a joke loadout, I should say, with uh, No Land Beyond and Sutter. I never really considered it as such. I always thought that was a completely viable loadout, with No Land Beyond being a very powerful, very good gun in the right hands. And a sidearm being a very powerful, good guns in, in the right hands, you know. Both weapons are very, very good if used to their full potential. That's it. And we talked, we touched on this in an earlier segment today about how No Land Beyond has changed from the, holy crap, did, the, did that guy really just kill me with that, I deserve to die, to, holy shit, that guy's using No Land Beyond, watch out, he might be really good. Yeah, it's one of, the, it's one of those guns now that, you know, people are like, oh, that guy's using a No Land Beyond. 
shit, he may be trying to make a montage, or, uh, this guy's just trolling, you know? Like, right, right. But even then, even when they're trolling, it may still be super dangerous, you know? Because people have gotten good with the gun, and I feel, I feel like it's fallen into a place of its own. And with the uh, joke loadouts that you see people playing around with nowadays, like, anything, as long as they've put in enough practice, it can be a viable loadout. I've been running multi-tool fusion rifle for the past three weeks uh, for my Sherpa runs, and it's a completely viable tactic even against good teams because people don't know how to play against it, and I've kind no, of fusion rifles gotten are dangerous. used to playing it. Yeah, fusion rifles are dangerous. I noticed a couple of games when I was playing earlier, uh, doubles, I should say, with uh, Doc, and the couple times, one of the one of the games we lost was against a fusion rifle user who, who absolutely kept going around corners, and that range is something that we've all fallen out of... Uh, fallen out of like knowledge like we we don't account for that range having a one-shot kill you know right it's Which always that short or long range yeah. when you're going around so, the corner either someone's sitting there with a shotgun or someone's sitting completely back hard scoping the corner never right. that mid you know eight to ten meter range that someone you can really mess someone up with especially if you have good stats on your fusion rifle where that spread right. stays nice and close together absolutely it's one of, it's one of the more terrifying things coming into a good fusion rifle user because people that have relearned that skill that we lost after the big fusion rifle nerfs of year one people people have started applying it and it's very very dangerous you know and i feel and i just a little caveat trying to plug the universal remote absolutely it's one of those guns you know people need to use the universal remote nor i have not seen anyone in year two running the universal remote except for me it is absolutely a gun that everyone should take note of i'm in the top 1000 i think i'm in the top i think i'm 600 or something uh, right now for Crimson Doubles, and I start every round with Universal Remote, pretty much. Oh, man. It's very I, dangerous. I remember back in year one, you and I were playing. We were doing a Sherpa run. I think it was Widow's Court, and you broke out the Longbow and Universal Remote combination. If somebody was a long distance, you absolutely picked their head off. If somebody was close, you blinked right over the wall and completely shocking them to shit. Yeah, that is that is definitely the style that I've start using again in year two for uh for crimson doubles i i am the worst shotgunner known to man so i can't really use universal remote <laughs> i am so bad with it uh i just find that the fusion rifle gameplay the fusion rifle style play is more me than a shotgun is why i've been using fusion rifles, and i don't want to put myself in an uncomfortable position using a shotgun where somebody can just destroy me with a shotgun from the same exact situation so what are some of the tactics that you use in Crimson Doubles? Well, I I do like to do straight up aggression, right? That's that is the style that I've always played. I know that I've always had a little bit of a little bit of a tough time working with some other Sherpas who like to play a more passive style. Like I know that me. J, like Marv, <laughs> uh, like J Will, I I could say because I recently played with him. J Will plays a very passive game. He um he will absolutely push you, absolutely, but he, I've noticed that he will, instead of going for a push, he'll absolutely hang back and wait for a shot with a sniper rifle, right? My style of play is run in there, kill everyone, and it is working a lot better now in year in year two, uh, since Crimson Doubles dropped, because I can, I can capitalize on the fact that I know first round nobody's going to have special unless they're doing something, something specific like running an icebreaker. And if they're not, the only other thing that's going to stop me is a No Land Beyond or a, or a Universal Remote. Nothing else will give me a one-shot kill. 
right? So I can now capitalize on that aggression and I try and end every round within 30 seconds so that nobody gets special, except for me coming into round two. I think that's a pretty good strategy. If you can control the special and make sure that you have what you want at your fingertips and the other team is denied what it is that they're looking for, especially we, we all know the reasons why these changes have come down with a special because of the reliance on snipers and shotguns. Not so much fusion rifles because just people aren't necessarily aware of their value but there's right. been such a reliance on that sniper or shotgun secondary that if you can control that and really keep what you want you're at a big advantage yes absolutely it it's it's a matter of you now have to play the game as it is you know a lot of people are upset about the special changes or a lot of people are happy about it you know citing different reasons why it should change and you know to some extent that that is warranted you know we should always be pressing bungee for a more complete and full proper game but you know in in this case it's not going to change not for the week so if you want to play crimson doubles you got to play it to the strengths that you you can you need to capitalize on the mechanics of the game mode and absolutely take advantage of that use an olm beyond use a universal remote first round pick up a sidearm if you don't have one and push in you know take advantage of the fact that you're going to be the only person with a sniper rifle or the only person with a shotgun at the start of the game so how do you like the buff whenever you, since you play so aggressively, when you comes to, to last man down, how do you like using that buff to your advantage to push the enemy? You know, we already touched on that a little bit, but my tactic once once I get the buff is is absolutely to push in if the if the fight is is winnable. You know, if my friend is down, obviously he's going to be down if I have the buff. But if they're in an open area and I can and can impress them safely because they don't have special or something like that i absolutely will you know i'll try and stray fight them with a mita i'll try and blink over them into into them with a universal remote or i'll try and snipe them from across the map because i know it's an easy kill because they they are at a disadvantage but if they if they do have an advantage say if we're in a tight quarter and they did pick up special and they have shotguns the buff is an invincibility you will go down from one shotgun shell so i'm gonna have to play it safe and i'm gonna capitalize on that i'm gonna go pick up all the special across the map Right, so I don't have to worry about it in the coming rounds, and then I'm going to play for point. You know, they're still going to have to get to the point. I'm going to have the advantage once they leave the orb, in my opinion. You know, if I play for super, it's a it's a good round, and I feel more people need to need to understand that that buff, while extremely good, you know, is not the end all be all. You need to be able to capitalize on having that buff. So if you have it and you're in a good position to use it. Go in, be aggressive, you're very powerful. But if you're in a bad position to use it, use it to your advantage, run around the map, take away all the special for the enemy team. If you're playing against the buff, you have to push the buff if you know they're, say, not a good player, you know, or you're better than them or you have the advantage they don't have special. Push them. Don't let them go around picking up all the ammo. Or make sure that you control the flow of the match. Make sure that you push to, push to the point. Or make sure that you make sure you stay on the orb if the orb is in a good spot. And a lot of people think because of trials, we have to stick to the orb at all times. You don't have to really in doubles. You can leave the orb and let them get the get the orb up because that's while that's them gaining a teammate. That's also them losing the buff, right? And one person up as opposed to getting two people up in trials or something like that is a lot less of an issue. So right, a two v one's a big difference from a three v one. Yes, absolutely. So, uh, just a question here for you. What's the most annoying subclass setup for the other team in Crimson Doubles, uh, in your honest opinion? And why is it the Sunsinger? 
<laughs> you know, I haven't had too much issue with Sunsinger. Oh, no, I take that back. I had one issue with Sunsinger where some dude was using purifier robes. And it caught me so off guard, I lost an Unbroken because of it. He popped up on purifier robes and it blinded my screen and I had no idea what happened because it hasn't happened in months. Right, but the class I have the most problem with is probably the Blade Dancer using a Tarantella, the, the chess piece, because those scatter grenades are or scatter grenades um skip grenades skip grenades, skip skip grenades. grenades. they're yep. so good and so dangerous and a blade dancer has blink and a blade dance also has the blade dance ability i've noticed that it is very very strong in, in doubles and especially with the buff active you're able to switch weapons with um with quick draw. Draw so quickly it's just such a dangerous class you're also extremely fast um another class like that is probably the void walker very very dangerous if you, if you get a couple melee kills with it it starts running around you start running around really quickly and it also runs into the situation of they're very very dangerous when they pick up the buff so Tene, i'm sure the other guys here can agree with me we are so grateful that you had a few minutes to stop by and talk with us here at sherpa station it's been an absolute joy of a time having you on no problem so where can people find you uh my twitch account is uh lng tenebrae at uh well, Twitch TV, so Twitch TV dash LNG Tenebrae. Also, you can find me on Reddit at uh, Tenebrae Soul, uh, no dash. Uh, all the links will be in the description, obviously. And um, past that, I mean, I don't want to give out my my gamer tag or console information, but all that stuff can be found on Reddit. The, the, that's probably the best place to contact me is via Reddit or my Twitch. All right, Tene. Thanks again for stopping by one more time. We really appreciate it. Thanks. All right, guys, I think we'll wrap it up there. It was pretty good. I think for Ooh. our first episode, everything went fairly well. I think we'll we'll only gel and get better as time goes on. We made some, it. <laughs> we did. We made it through. I think from now, we'll just ask for some community feedback. I mean, we're putting this together for you guys. We'd love to hear your thoughts and what you would love to hear on the show. As for what we're doing, we're aiming for a biweekly release Hopefully, we're targeting Mondays. You'll be able to find links to everything on Destiny Sherpa, Crucible Sherpa, and Destiny the Game subreddits. Hard Tacos, how can everybody here find you? Uh, most of the stuff's, again, in the show notes. But uh, you can find me, ZaithGFX, on Reddit. Uh, you can hit me up with a friend request on the Hard Tacos if you want to play. And also, if you want to catch me on Twitch, it's hard underscore tacos. How about you, Sujin? On Reddit, I'm going to go as just Sujin. You can find me on both Destiny the Game and Destiny the Sherpa. Pretty fairly active. And then I'm going to be on PS4 and Twitch, both as Sujin underscore EXE. And you can find me, you know, send me a message either or. Sparky, where can everybody find you? Uh, you guys can find me on the Crucible Sherpa Reddit under the username KSIDS. You can find me on PlayStation under the username Sparky1014 and on Twitch under the username Sparky underscore 1014. Uh, everything's going to be in the show notes. As for me, I'm the Marf. You can find me on Reddit on the moderator list for Destiny Sherpa, Crucible Sherpa, and Destiny of the Game. I go by Robert Marfia, which is also the same as my Twitch handle. You can find me on PSN as the dash dash Marf and um, Xbox Live as the Marf. Again, all the spellings and links to everything will be in the show notes. We're going to give you links to the updates we were talking about, as well as to our profiles and anything else. We'll all make sure to include it in the show notes for you guys. 
I think we'll uh, we'll leave it at that, guys. Every, everybody all set? Everybody good? Yeah, I think we're just missing one thing, though. I think we just need some cowbell. Mm. <laughs> I love it. I think it just needed that. Now, I think now we need some more. Now, oh, some more. All right. I thought that was enough, but here we go. Give us another blast. We'll just oh. go out on this, guys. We'll just go out on this. Hope you guys enjoyed. We'll see you guys in two weeks. Thanks everybody oh. for checking in. Sherpa Station, we're out. We're not actually climbing mountains. We're climbing more cowbell. mountains. More cowbell. We need it. <laughs>